Good evening. Today is October 26th, and we are studying the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. This week's chapter is How It Works, and the step is step three. Our speaker tonight is Sheila J. Thank you, Sheila. Take it away. Hi. So my name is Sheila. I'm a compulsive overeater, and I'm grateful to be here. Thank you, Lisa, for inviting me to come, and thanks everybody for being here. And I love uh, I love big book meetings. And um, is that uh, uh, typing? Um, if somebody could mute, just I'm just concerned that I'm going to get lost in the uh, the rattle. Um, I love big book meetings. I love uh, Overeaters Anonymous and I especially love it. I love all the conference approved literature, but I especially love it when we are focusing on the, uh, on the literature of Alcoholics Anonymous, the conference approved literature. And for me, whenever I'm reading from the big book, I adhere to the very specific request from Alcoholics Anonymous World Service to read the literature as is. I do not deviate. Um, and that's actually a real function of the recovery that I want to follow direction because I was always somebody who was tilting at windmills, always. And, um, you know, I can remember when, um, you know, I saw my, my brother who was also one of us, right? He was part of the Mother Fellowship and had an eating disorder like I do as well, died behind his diabetes, couldn't stop eating sugar, couldn't, wouldn't. And... Uh, paid the ultimate price. But um, I can remember, and he was seven years older than me, when the state of Michigan actually started mandating seatbelts. And my brother had always been a committed seatbelt wearer. And as soon as the state of Michigan mandated that you wear it, my brother stopped wearing a seatbelt and never wore one again, right? And, um, and I understand that, right? That's, that's exactly how, how things land for me. So the idea that I actually want to do what is asked of me, and the big book says that at, at, at some place in there, it talks about the only freedom we can ever possibly know is doing what we ought to because we want to. And um, I just love that. I love that, uh, uh, you know, we have ceased fighting anything or anyone, and I just don't, I just am not here to argue. I'm just not, not here to debate. And, um, and not here to, to debate with anyone else, right? Just to kind of get clear about what it is, what feels comfortable for me to do and what my sponsor wants me to do, et cetera. So this one, we're looking at how it works and step three. And uh, yeah, cue the barking dog. Um, fingers crossed. Uh, he's going to calm down. Um, I love the step three part of the big book. And depending on where I'm at, I, I usually, I used to kind of think that step three started um, with page 58, but I actually don't know. I, it, it seems very clear in terms of the, the language that we get when we finish the A, B, and C that we read at the end of how it works, right? That we were alcoholic, A, that we were alcoholic and could not manage our own lives, B, that probably no human power could have relieved our alcoholism, C, that God couldn't would if he were sought. Being convinced we were at step three. And what the being convinced is for me is being convinced that I'm going to have to work all 12 steps, which I just read, right? Uh, which is that we decided to turn our will and our life over to God as we understood him. Just what do we mean by that? And just what do we do? 
I want to talk about some different things. So the next three pages, right, to all the way to the bottom of page 63 are, is the step three part of the big book. And again, sometimes I think of step three as starting on page 58 at the end of the We Agnostics chapter, which clearly is step two chapter. I always kind of, sometimes I think of, you know, that, that those beginning pages that, you know, the how it works that we read as part of step three and other times I feel like, no, let me just pay attention to exactly what it says that step three starts here. But I wanna talk about the A, B, and C. And then I wanna talk about some of the other things in those three pages. Specifically, the B part, right? That probably no human power could have relieved our alcoholism. So the thing that I'm very clear about um, in terms of my eating disorder, and I've been here since 1988, my top weight's 200 pounds. I weigh about 120 now, and I've been abstinent for 23 years, I guess 23, it's 23, I'm not sure. It's either 22 or 23. Well, no, I, of course I know. I got absent in 2000, right? I know I can do arithmetic. It's 22 years. So I was a slipper for a dozen years, right? I just wasn't. And all that means is I just wasn't ready to feel the feelings. That's all it means. But um, um, in being convinced that, that Silkworth is telling the truth in the doctor's opinion, and I believe him, and I believe what Bill Wilson is talking about in his story, right? If I'm absolutely convinced that Silkworth is telling the truth and Bill is telling the truth, then I can only eat on a lie today. I can only eat on a lie. The only way I could possibly go out and try and make sugar work again, or make quantity eating work again, or make any of the other myriad things that stopped working a long time ago, but took me a long time to, to face the truth about it, right, um, is, is to lie. I can only eat on a lie today, and there's three lies. It's not gonna bother me this time. The second lie is, it's gonna bother me, but I'll be able to control it. And the third lie is, well, it just doesn't matter because my life has no value anyway. And the lie that always tripped me up was that second lie, right? That it's going to bother me. I'm going to have a problem with it, but I'll be able to control it. Which fits in so much for me with the B that we read about here, that probably no human power could have relieved our alcoholism. Because for a long time, what I thought is that I just didn't have the right sponsor. As somebody who was struggling... Um, for a long time, I just figured I wasn't getting abstinent because I hadn't had the right sponsor. And I wasn't paying attention to that A, B, and C that it talks about there. And so then what happened is I got abstinent in 2000 and then, uh, you know, started putting some time together. I never got back up to my top weight because I was directed to start working the steps in 1988 as soon as I came in Overeaters Anonymous, regardless of whether I was in the food or not. And it just it became clear a couple of weeks in that I just wasn't I wasn't ready to put down the food and I was honest with my sponsor about it. I'm not going to lie about what I'm eating, right? Um, if I'm going to lie about something, I'll lie about something more interesting than my food. I'm going to tell you I'm Julie Roberts' cousin or I used to date Brad Pitt, right? Something creative like that. I'm not going to lie about my food. I dodged that bullet. But, um, um, and I'm really grateful for that. That saved my life because then I was able to go to my first OA sponsor a couple of weeks in and just say, you know, I'm, I'm not, I just need you to know I'm not, 
I'm not getting, I'm not abstinent. I haven't put down the sugar. I haven't stopped doing the quantity eating. I haven't stopped any of those things. And she said, just keep working the steps, right? And that was brilliant, brilliant direction to get in 1988. That was three years before the Overeaters Anonymous first edition of the 12 and 12 came out. And it talks about that in step, uh, the, the step four part of that book. And it says, look, we think it's a good idea that you would be abstinent before you take a fourth step. But maybe conclusively taking a third step is going to be the very thing that is going to help you or, or working a, a four step while you're still in the food is going to be the very thing that's going to help you conclusively take a third step. So I misspoke there. So again, if you are still in the food, what that book directed us to do in 1991 is it said, just work the step, just do the, do the inventory anyway. It's probably going to work better if you were absent, but just do the four step, even if you're in the food, that will perhaps be the very thing that's going to propel you into a conclusive third step. So that was conference approved literature. Three years before that book came out, I had a very, very wise and wonderful sponsor who was directing me to just keep working the steps regardless of the fact that I was in the food. And I'm thoroughly convinced because I kept going through the steps over and over again because I'm originally from Michigan, largely influenced by the Alcoholics Anonymous, Bob Smith from Ohio. So I knew I was gonna be going through the steps over and over again. And I just followed direction, right? I don't, I don't argue with sponsors or cops. I just do exactly what is asked of me here. And, um, and that worked really well for me. I'm thoroughly convinced that's why I never got back up to my top weight. It took me a dozen years before I was gonna get abstinent. And by the time I got abstinent in 2000, I was down about 45, 50 pounds. Hang on, let me just cut for a minute and get my husband. So, okay, so um, I'm thoroughly convinced that's why, right? So I just knew I was gonna be working the steps over and over and over again and getting very, very clear about that B part that it talks about, that no human power could have relieved our alcoholism. Nobody was gonna solve my problem. It wasn't about a sponsor. It's not my sponsor who keeps me abstinent anyway. It's my sponsees. My sponsor keeps me spiritually sorted out, but it's my sponsees that keep me abstinent. So I get a lot of calls from a lot of people because this is just a conversation that feels very comfortable for me in that I was a chronic slipper for a dozen years before I got abstinent, but I was 50 pounds down from my top weight, right? So something, even through the course of not being abstinent for a dozen years, but working the steps over and over and over and over again, I managed to lose 50, 55, 50, 45, 50 pounds. I weighed somewhere between 150 and 155. And, um, um, and that, that just tells me that the, 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 the power is in working the steps, right? And um, because I, this was my pattern, right, to, to be a slipper, I get a lot of calls and a lot of people in conversation. And, you know, I had two calls in the last week. People have this idea that um, they're not working with the right sponsor or their sponsor thinks they're not working with the right sponsor because they haven't gotten abstinent. And all that tells me is that somebody who does not have an understanding yet of step one, right? We admitted we were powerless over food and that our lives had become unmanageable. I am absolutely powerless over food. I can't get anybody. If I can't get myself abstinent, and I couldn't, I couldn't have done any of this without everything that we've done here. And again, keeping in mind, I had to go through those steps 12, 14 times before I finally got abstinent in 2000. And I'm in a few different 12-step programs. I mean, I've done, I don't know, 55, 60, 
four steps. I just did a four step a couple of months ago and I've needed every single one of them that I've done. So it was that process going through this over and over again that even calmed my nervous system enough and uh, uh, gave me enough um, self-compassion and wisdom and clarity and courage to reach out and make outreach calls, to, to connect with all of you in between meetings. It took me years to be able to do that. So if I can't get myself abstinent, what would ever make me think that I can get you abstinent, whomever you are? And why would I have the illusion that a sponsor can do it for me? So I'm always, you know, I always love when I get those kind of phone calls and I get to just remind somebody and I, I go straight to the conference approved literature. I don't argue with anybody. I'm not here to argue with anybody or debate. And there's a thing that um, he talks about in the more about alcoholism chapter. I love where it says, you know, you can test this theory out. You know, if somebody says something like, well, I'm, I, uh, I don't have a problem with sugar because I won't sponsor somebody if they want to eat sugar. There are some people in this fellowship that eat sugar, and this is not my business, right? It's not my business what anybody weighs. It's not my business what anybody eats at all. Zero. I have zero opinion. No horses in those races at all. But I do for myself. And I know that I'm just not going to sponsor somebody who wants to eat sugar. It's just too, there's just too much. It's, it's too painful. That, 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 I just am not, I don't have the bandwidth for that, that game. I just don't. So, um, and if somebody says, well, I don't have a problem with sugar, I say, great, that's good. Turn to page 31 in the book and uh, look where it says, right? And let's just take a look at this for a minute because this ties in with step three so nicely and how it works, right? To figure out what it is you're going to be eating. So it's at the bottom of the page. Uh, we do not like to pronounce any individual as alcoholic, but you can quickly diagnose yourself. Step over to the nearest bar room and try some controlled drinking. Try to drink and stop abruptly. Try it more than once. It will not take you long for you to decide if you are honest with yourself about it. It may be worth a bad case of jitters if you get a full knowledge of your condition, right? And I can remember somebody saying, but I don't have a problem with sugar. And I said, that's great. That's terrific. Good. And turn to this page. And they said, yeah, no, sure. What, what is, I don't understand what it's saying. I said, well, I'll tell you what it's saying. Get that, you know, that pint of Hagen does that, you know, we, we tend to barrel through those things. Look on the side of the, the, the pint and see what it tells you what a serving size is. So, so try some controlled, controlled eating with that, get a pint of it, eat, eat a four ounce portion, a half cup portion, which is the, uh, the serving size. And normies don't eat it every single day. So it's not like you eat a half cup to, on Monday and half cup on Tuesday. Eat a half cup on Monday and have the next half cup on Saturday, right? Try it. Like, I love that this book directs me over and over and over again in terms of how it works, if I will follow very specifically what it is asking me to do, right? And again, that reminder with that A, B, and C, that we were alcoholic and could not manage our own life. B, that probably no human power could have relieved our alcoholism. How much clearer can that be? Five minutes left. Thank you so much. And God couldn't would if he were sought. So I just love that. I love getting reminded about that and being able to remind others of that, right? And then these next three pages, these are some of my favorite pages. There is a paragraph at the top of page 63, which is probably my favorite paragraph in the whole big book. When we sincerely took such a position and the antecedent in the paragraph before is basically that God's the director, not even just basically, God's the director. And I'm the one who's, who's, he's the principal and I'm the agent. I'm the one who's going to be moved around on the chessboard. He's calling the shots, right? 
So when we sincerely took such a position, God's in charge and I'm not, again, I'm on the paragraph at the top of page 63, all sorts of remarkable things followed. We had a new employer. Being all-powerful, he provided what we needed if we kept close to him and performed his work well. Established on such a footing, we became less and less interested in ourselves, our little plans and designs. More and more, we became interested in seeing what we could contribute to life. As we felt new power flow in, as we enjoyed peace of mind, as we discovered we could face life successfully, as we became conscious of his presence, we began to lose our fear of today, tomorrow, or the hereafter. We were reborn. Look at all the promises in that paragraph. You know, this, this book is full of promises. Don't, don't let anybody kid you about nine-step promises. You pick any page in this book. I mean, I always say it's too bad we don't drink anymore in Alcoholics Anonymous because it would be a great drinking game, right? Like pick up a big book and open the page and whoever finds, you know, the, the, the promise first on the page, well, you know, you're an alcoholic, so I guess you get to drink twice, right? But this book is full of promises. But look how many promises are in that paragraph. When we sincerely took such a position, all sorts of remarkable things followed. One, we had a new employer. Two, being all powerful, he provided what we needed if we kept close to him and performed his work well. Three, established on such a footing, we became less and less interested in ourselves. Four, our little plans and designs. Five, more and more, we became interested in seeing what we could contribute to life. Six, as we felt new power flow in. Seven, as we enjoyed peace of mind. Eight, as we discovered we could face life successfully. Nine, as we became conscious of his presence, 10, we began to lose our fear of today, tomorrow, or the hereafter. We were reborn. There's 14 promises in that one paragraph, right? And that's just in step three. And all I have to do is be willing. You know, taking a, a step three is not something that it's an, it's an absolute. I've had to take step three about four or five times today, right? So there's kind of an overarching thing. I feel pretty safe saying, I know that my days of fried chicken and bonbons are over. I, I feel pretty clear about that, that those days are gone. So I have conclusively taken a, a very substantial um, step three. I, I, I get it. But there are plenty of things that come up over and over again. I was just talking with my sponsor about the, that. This Two minutes. Morning. Thank you so much. That um, there are plenty of things that come up, usually with my husband. And um, where I have to take it over and over again, right? And I, and I love that. I love that there isn't, this isn't an absolute thing, that it, it, there will be so many opportunities for me to get in touch with my heart. I, you know, I, I wish I had a, I wish I had a seized candy problem. I wish I had a weight problem. Even when I had a problem with sugar and when I had a problem weighing 200 pounds, I didn't have a problem with sugar or weighing 200 pounds. I didn't have a weight problem. I had a heart problem. I don't love easily and I don't forgive easily. Those are my problems. That's it. They're the same problems I had when I came in and the same things I deal with now to a much lesser extent. Thank you, God. And thank you through, for myriad times through the steps and what will be myriad more times through them for the rest of my life and working the traditions, right? Don't want to miss out on that and the concepts. So I, I, I get it that I'm, I'm a lifer and I'm going to be here for the rest of my life, but I love, I love that you are giving me access to my heart. That's, that's the issue is how readily am I willing to see you lovingly? 
I said this with my sponsor this morning, and it, you know, it's it's such a seminal, basic thing that a lot of us got exposed to when we were a kid. If I just lived my life, um, <laughs> treating you the way I want to be treated, I would solve every problem that I've got. And I know we're in the big book here, but I just want to look at something in terms of step seven, because the, the seventh paragraph in step seven, again, this feels very uh, resonant. Right. Thank you so much. With uh, step three, and what we're doing here is, um, well, I want to stay with the time. I want to honor your time commitment, but there's something wonderful there. Maybe we'll get to it in the question, but I just love, I love everything that we do here in every way that you tame me. And taming me is just giving me access to my heart. Because when I've got access to my heart, I've got access to me and I've got access to you. And uh, otherwise I don't have a chance and neither do you. So I'm grateful to be here. Uh, you got a lot to teach me. And uh, my name is Sheila McPulsey here from Los Angeles. Thank you. Thank you so much, Sheila. Thank you for your time and your sharing. Um, we will now open the meeting for questions or for three minute shares. As this is a big book study, sharing and questions should relate specifically to the chapter and step being studied this week. We ask you to accept this guideline in order to keep the meeting on track. If you'd like to share or ask a question, please raise your virtual hand, which is under reactions or star nine if you're on the phone, and the Zoom host, Meredith, will call the raised hands in order and ask you to unmute when it's your turn. Uh, would the timekeeper please set a timer for three minutes for each share and announce when the time is up? If the speaker is asked a question, please allow three minutes for the answer. And Harmony, you are up first. Hi, can you guys hear me? Great, perfectly. Okay, great. Um, I'm Harmony Overeater. Um, I'm new to Overeaters Anonymous, so um, it's really special for me to be in the room and hear everyone's shares and everything. I was at the meeting last night, and it was really great. So um, thank you so much, Sheila, and um, I'm just excited to make some, some new connections. I wanted to ask Sheila if she could share what she was going to share before the time went up, and also thank her for honoring the time. And thank you, everyone, for your service. Aww. Thank you, Harmony. Yeah, so I'm going to do this briefly, Harmony, because I do want to pay attention to the fact that, uh, you know, this is a big book meeting. Um, and it's just the, uh, it's the seventh paragraph in step 10. And it just says, uh, and this is really kind of the program at its core. It is a spiritual axiom that every time we are disturbed, no matter what the cause, there is something wrong with us. That's my get out of jail free card. If I just stay cognizant of that, that's what I was talking about. Thank you. Great, thank you so much. And Barbara, Barbara V, you're up. Uh, I want to unmute. Let me see how I do that. You are, we hear you. Oh, okay, hi. Um, I really love that last comment. Something is up with us when we're disturbed. So uh, for me, part of working step three today was that I reached out in the group, in the WhatsApp group, and said, honestly, that I was having a rough day. And, um, you know, two people responded really quickly um, to help me through it. And both of them were just amazingly helpful. I wish I could remember exactly what they said, but 
something to the effect of what's going on with you in terms of a 10th step, where are you being selfish, dishonest, self-seeking, afraid, etc. And it helped me to see things in a different light, to reframe it. And almost immediately, my desire to run out and get food, to just hide under, really left me. And that is a miracle. I forgot that one of the best ways for me ever to stop food thoughts is to reach out and call someone. And I'm so grateful we have this group in WhatsApp because people are so willing uh, to be available for outreach. And really that saved my life because for me, to eat is to die. Basically, I may not immediately in terms of my physical normal weight, but mentally, spiritually, emotionally, I will not be able to function. And um, with that, I pass. Thanks everyone for being here. Thank you so much, Barbara. And Angela, you're up. Angela. Hey everyone, I am Angela, gratefully recovered compulsive overeater and bulimic. Really, really happy to be here tonight. Thank you so much, Sheila. It was great hearing your story and um, hear, you know, hearing your experience, strength and hope. Appreciate you being here. Um, you know, I heard you say that uh, this program gave you access to your heart. And um, I'm, I'm, I don't know if I'm paraphrasing that. That's uh, what I heard. Um, and I guess I just am wondering how, uh, if you equate that, or if that is similar to access to your higher power, um, you know, I, I'd love for you to speak on that. Uh, I guess I just also wanted to say that, you know, I get what I need in this program. And if I just show up for myself, I usually get the message that I need, um, you know, I've been battling, it feels like this internal battle around uh, how I care for my mom. And, um, you know, it was so beautiful that last night and today, I was given the opportunity to read through the bondage of self passage, you know, in the first person. Um, and it was so wonderful that it brought me to this place of me realizing that I think I'm going to save the day, you know, that I'm the one that can make all the difference, that I'm the one that's going to orchestrate, you know, everything that happens with her. And, uh, and it's really stressful. And I get wrapped up in that. And, you know, a lot of relationships, I can, you know, see it. But when it comes to this relationship with my mom, um, you know, and, and all that we've been through, it is just so it is so challenging. It is such an opportunity. So um, yeah, so I guess I just did want to ask you if, if you link those two, um, I loved hearing that this program gave you access to your heart. Anything you want to share on that? Sure. So access to my heart is how readily am I willing to forgive you and how much do I love you? So uh, that's definitely connected up with my higher power. It feels like a directive from, from God that I'm to, to forgive everybody of everything all the time. And so, um, yeah, it's definitely connected up with that, but 
I can pretend I'm connected with God, but if I'm not connected with all of you, and if I'm, and the way I get disconnected is if I'm judging you, right? If I'm not forgiving you, and if I'm not loving you, and if I'm judging you, I'm not loving you. So that's what the connected with the heart is. Thanks. It's beautiful. Thank you so much, Sheila. Thank you, Angela, for your question and your share. Um, Betty, would you like to share? Yes. Hi, everybody. I'm Betty as a compulsive eater recovered in Florida. Wow. I think, Sheila, you really hit it on the head. I mean, it, it is just so direct what you what you've said. Um, it's you covered everything about this program and how we can recover um, in the steps with a higher power and with love. And, you know, I thought I was a very loving person. Well, you know, I was, I guess, in my own mind, but judgmental, not forgiving. I didn't see that. I didn't even see it coming until I started working the steps. And not even when I started, as I worked through the steps and continue to. You said, um, you know, what hit me in the beginning was when you were talking about the lies uh, about, uh, directed with the food. And um, it, when I was in the throes of eating, of compulsively overeating, you know, my mantra was, who cares? Because I didn't care about myself. I didn't care about myself. I didn't care about anybody else. And I thought I was hopeless. And so what good would it be? What difference would it make? I didn't care. Who else would care? And I found out that is absolutely not true. First of all, my higher power cares. And my higher power shows me that he cares through you, through each of you. And that's where, that's where my higher power lives. I don't have to turn to the food anymore. I, it is not an option for me, no matter how lousy I feel, no matter what my day is. I had a tough day yesterday, and I thought, man, if I can't shake this, what am I going to do? Well, I knew what I was going to do. I had the steps. I had my sponsor. I had fellows. I had the tools. I had a lot of things I could do, and I did them. Before the day was over, it was all lifted. I can't do that myself. I never could. thought I could. I used to be the director and everything in my life and everybody else's. I, I just thought that was what I was supposed to do, you know, because I knew everything, right? <laughs> Boy, you know, this has been quite uh, an awakening. And Chile, you hit it. You, you mean everything, you know, that you said about your higher power, about loving, forgiving. That's what this program teaches me. And I'm so grateful that I have a place to come. This is like, a school for living, you know, it's a school. And I, I learn here and then I can and practice here. And then I go out in the world and my family, you know, and, and practice in relationships. And so I'm just grateful that I, that I came back when I did Tommy. after years of fighting and kicking and screaming, I waved the white flag, took that, when I took that third step, God, it's either God, or nothing and that's where the love comes in and I love this program and I love you guys and thank you all for being there for me just by being here tonight pass thank you Betty all right Lisa you can Lisa see you you're up to share 
Hey everybody, my name is Lisa and I am a compulsive ogre eater, stress eater, emotional eater, sugar addict. Um, thank you, Sheila. I, I really love your example of the controlled eating. I can really relate to it in with the alcohol, doing controlled drinking, but I can never see that with the control eating. And it's like, oh my gosh, it is that it's that simple. You know, have a have a I could never do that. I could not have a cup. I tried that and I didn't even realize I was doing the controlling you know just having that serving that, that what it says on the package and then not having it for the next week and it's like wow I was doing control eating um but the thing I I wanted you if you could go over again you talked about um you're only going to eat on a line you gave three things that you you went under there I was wondering if you could just repeat those yeah, if I really believe what Silkworth talks about with the allergy of the body and the obsession of the mind, and then I really believe everything that Bill Wilson said, all the things he tried, myriad things he tried before he was really struck abstinent, thank God that he answered the phone, right? Um, I can only eat on a lie today, and there are three lies. The first lie is, it's not going to bother me this time. Sugar has always bothered me before, but it's not going to bother me now. The second lie is, it's going to bother me, but I'll be able to control it. That was the big lie for me, right? So sugar's going to bother me, but I'm going to start binging on Friday, really take it to town on Saturday and start winding it down on Sunday. And it's all going to come together on Monday. That was, that was my big lie, right? So it's going to bother me, but I'll be able to control it. Or the third lie is my life has no value. I might as well eat myself to death. Thank you. Mm. Thank you so much. Um, we will now stop the recording for